seat. Grab a seat. Amen. Well, howdy. howdy. Welcome back. It is 2019, people. Woo! Welcome, welcome. My name is Kevin Bear. I'm the college pastor here at our South. You got to wear your jackets. Oh. Later in the spring, you'll get to wear shorts. It'll be amazing. <laughs> and, and I'm so excited about what we're doing and where we're going this semester. Um, just one quick uh, additional plug. If, if you want to know how to get connected more deeply as part of our college ministry, as part of Grace Bible Church, we have growth track going on right now. So don't feel awkward about hopping up and heading over to our growth track, growth track section. Um, other than that, we're going to jump in to Matthew chapter 28. If you have a Bible, uh, Matthew chapter 28 is the first of the Gospels, kind of at the end of your Bible. I'll read it for us. It'll be on the screen here in a little bit. So don't fret if you don't have the Bible. It says this, Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you so much for a great new semester where we can start a new semester. And Lord, I know many of us are, are excited about our classes or about what's, next, what's coming up next this semester. But I pray that we would be people that are excited about what you're doing this semester. And how you might be able to use us this semester. And I know we're in all different places um, about our relationship with you. So I pray that this morning we might get a line to say, if God is going somewhere, I want to be about where he is going. And if God is doing something this semester, I want to be about what he is doing. I want to meet the creator of the universe. And Lord, I can't do that for us. Only you can do that. So I pray that your spirit would come to this place. You would awaken our hearts and minds that we might be able to connect with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are talking about disciple making this semester. We're going to talk about really this two-week series, last week and this week, about disciple making, what it looks like to be a disciple. And to jump us off, I'll tell you a little story um, about how I'm, I'm terrible mechanically. Okay, so uh, I, I'm, I have lots of issues with cars and trying to fix cars and tons of stories about how I have failed in doing so. So I'm just going to share one little nugget with you this morning. It was this summer, so I was driving from College Station over uh, to the Austin area uh, for a camp. It was a youth camp, I know, but, but they needed Jesus too there, okay? So, so, so I'm driving from this place uh, there, and, and as I'm driving along the road, um, one of the front right tires uh, starts, or the front right tire, this is just a normal car, uh, <laughs> the front right tire starts making this weird noise, and, and I'd remembered probably about a month previously, I had changed that tire. And as I'm hearing this noise that just doesn't sound quite right, I'm thinking to myself, okay, uh, maybe when I get into Austin, I'll pull over and, and check out and see what's going on. And it starts sounding a little bit worse. And I'm like, well, that sounds bad. And, and I'm approaching Bastrop. And I'm like, okay, if I could just make it to Bastrop, uh, then I'll just pull into like, you know, some little car place that'll be helpful. And as, right as I'm going, uh, probably about 30 miles, 15 miles from Bastrop, it's 15 miles from Bastrop, the front right tire literally 
blows and I see pieces flying past me. I'm like, that doesn't look good. And then, and then the car just kind of takes a little jolt down, you know, because it doesn't have a tire, right? And, and I pull over quickly to the side and I go over and look and, and I'm like, this is horrible. <laughs> I mean, I literally see not just a, a, a little puncture, like the whole tire is shredded. I don't know how it got to this point. That noise apparently was the shredding of a tire that I should have paid attention to. And, and, and I get over and I'm like, oh, great. It's Sunday afternoon. Is there anyone open? The answer is no. No car places are open Sunday afternoon. I call a tow truck uh, and, he's, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of know where you're at. I send him my location and I wait there for two hours and he doesn't show up. And I call back and he goes, oh, yeah, I got distracted. Doing what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be there in a little bit. I'm like, no, no, no. Call someone else. Like, well, I'm going to call the main place. They send someone out. I'll wait another hour. I finally get towed to a location. And they, uh, Walmarts, thank you, Walmarts, for being open. And they fix my tire. And as I think about that moment, and I had a lot of time to think on the side of the road. As I think about that moment, I realize, what was I missing? I was missing this. I don't know how cars work. And because I don't know how cars work, every decision I was making along the way just exacerbated the problem, right? Like I didn't know how to put the tire on correctly. I didn't know the the to be really wary about what was going on about the the tire and it's making this noise. And, And I didn't stop soon enough to address the issues. What I did, I think, is what most of us do when problems or or issues come to the surface of our lives. We kind of ignore them until they start screaming at us. We kind of say, I'm going to just turn up the volume on my radio a little bit louder, or I'll just I'll put in the, the headphones, or I'll just check Instagram. Like I'll ignore the issues that are really going on, because I can kind of silence those until it blows up in your face. And at that moment, you can't just sit peckly. And the reason I start there is because of this. There are some of us that are living life, making decisions, moving through this world, and we may not be seeing the world correctly. In fact, you may not be seeing God correctly. In fact, you may not be seeing what his mission is in the world correctly. And I know you can go through this entire semester, you can go through decades of your life just turning up the volume on so many distractions, but miss what the world is about and miss what God is doing in the world. You can turn up the volume on so many things, but miss the most significant purpose you can have in life. And this series is called Selfless. Because in order to jump into that journey of what God is doing in the world, it takes a step away from my, what I want to do by myself to embrace a selfless life. To embrace the life that God is wanting to weave in history and that he is moving through history. And what God is wanting to do is this. For you to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple is simply this. Someone that loves Jesus and wants to make him known. Someone that has prioritized their life behind following Jesus with their whole heart. And then the next step is to be a disciple maker. To help other people know the creator of the universe. To align your life behind him and to make him known to others. And that's what Jesus is saying in this section of Matthew 28. And to to focus on a couple of key words in this section, I've put them in yellow, so they're very obvious. 
So if you have a highlighter and you highlight in your Bible or or a way to highlight, I would encourage you to highlight these key verbs in this section. Verse 19 has the first one, go. That means don't stay where you are. That means you've got to leave the comfort of where you are. Secondly, make. You've got to go do something with other people. Make disciples. Baptizing. That means identifying them fully in, in knowing Jesus Christ. That he died in your place for your sins. That you would teach these people to observe everything I've commanded with you. And, below, and, uh, and lo, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Those key verbs are the the key pieces of disciple-making that we would go, make, baptize, and teach, that we would be people that engage in the mission of Jesus. And I put some other words along those words. There's four words I want to give you this morning that really align with those four words. And the first word is this, inviting. That we would be people that go and invite people into relationship with Jesus that we would be about going the comforts of of our little world out from us to invite other people into a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus modeled this perfectly. See, Jesus eternally existed with God the Father in heaven. In perfection. There was nothing wrong with his circumstances. It was absolutely beautiful and perfect. He was there in glory and honor. And he left the comforts of heaven To become a baby. Not just any baby. He wasn't born to kingship. He was born to a lowly peasant couple. A teenage couple. That he would grow up with for 30 years. Following his mother's and father's instructions. Let me just say that one more time college students. For 30 years. He lived under his parents, obeying their instruction, obeying what they're saying. And then at 30, he went on a new mission. The first thing that we need to do, and actually to be disciple makers, is that we go like Jesus. And that means this, you leave your comforts, whatever those comforts are. For some of you, those comforts are Netflix and your bed. You're like, but I have to leave my Netflix iPad? You do. But not only do you go like Jesus, secondly, we do this. We engage people like Jesus. We see Jesus do this all through his ministry. That he leaves his comfort and then he engages with what matters most, people. You know what God wants in the world? He wants you. A relationship with you. To know you, to, that you would know him. And so Jesus modeled this perfectly. We see it in Matthew chapter 4. He says this, Now while, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Makes sense. I don't know why else you'd be casting a net into the sea, just for funsies. But, but they're, they're casting their net, and, and it said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, they came and saw two other brothers, James and Zebedee. Screen which went off. Uh, James and Zebedee. And immediately, uh, James and Zebedee and John, his brother, and in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Immediately he says, I want you to come and be a part of what I'm doing. 
I want you to come and see what God is really like. And, and this wasn't actually their first interaction with Jesus, but it is a significant. Watched what I've been doing, but now I want to invite you to be a part of seeing what I'm doing a little more closely. And I'll tell you what, this is, this is a key part which we have to understand about Jesus' mission in the world. He is about inviting people into relationship with him. He is about inviting people closely to him to follow him. And see, Jesus knew this mission. I'll tell you this. Do you know that 82%, Thomas Rainer did a study on this, 82% of people would go to church if they were asked. And then they asked people, they have asked non-believers, they did all these studies, they asked non-believers, how many of you have actually been invited to church? And only 2% said they had been. 82% of people said they would go if they were actually invited by someone. 2% actually had received an invitation. And there's all sorts of reasons, all sorts of insecurities that we have in inviting someone, but, but literally, you can know. Eight out of ten people you asked to church will say yes. Eight out of ten people you asked and invite to come to your Bible study will say yes. The key is, will we just get out and say, come and be a part of, of understanding and knowing Jesus. Will you come and be with me? I'll tell you what, some of the most encouraging stories I've heard this semester occur when that event happens. When a college student says to another college student, hey, why don't you come and be a part with me and learn what I'm writing, that we would go and we would engage with people like Jesus. But secondly, the second part is this, training. That we would actually develop people to being better than they are. And everyone, every organization does this. Everyone knows this. That if you want to get better at something, you've got to be trained in it. It's why some of you are going to your engineering classes. Engineers in the room? Yes, y'all are brilliant. Okay, so engineers in the room, you're hoping that by taking those courses, you're going to be trained in the skills of engineering so that when you go get a job, please God, when you go get a job at the end of this year and when you graduate, you can walk in and not be a total idiot. Like you'll know a little bit about what's going on there. You got to be trained not only in just your work, but But some of you have college jobs. Some of you are waiters and waitresses. And so you literally had to get the training about how to wait a table well, how to take an order, and how to to do that well. And you literally went through training. My first job was in high school. I worked at a grocery store bagging groceries. And I didn't think there was a lot of training involved in that. It was like just toss them in the bag and get them in the car. Like that was, you know, about it. That was all they really trusted me with. But no, we had this entire seminar about how to pack a a plastic bag properly, you know? Like, here's how you arrange the items in there. I was like, I couldn't believe it, but I was so good at it. So even today, when I go to the grocery store, I'm like, I'm like going, I'm going. They're just like, sir, you don't have to do that. I'm like, I know, but I'm good at it. You know, like, I'm trained, right? And Jesus trains his disciples. So you read all through the Gospel of Matthew, you see moments when he's interacting with his disciples and interacting with them in really unique ways. And I'll tell you about something about his training. It's personal. It's purposeful. The first way we see his training play out is this, is, is the personal approach that Jesus takes to it. Matthew eight fourteen it says this. Now, Jesus entered Peter's house, and he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. 
And he touched her hand, and the fever left, and she arose and began to serve him. Isn't that amazing? He calls these men to come follow him in Matthew chapter 4. And then at one point, maybe maybe a month later, just some time later, he goes over to Peter's mother-in-law's house, and he sees her sick. Now, I just want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus called these men to follow him, but where, does, where are they following Jesus? He says, I, I'm gonna follow, I want you to follow me, but let's go to your house. Let's go to your mother-in-law's house. He goes and touches her hand, and immediately she's healed from her sickness, and she gets up, she starts serving him, she's throwing a party, she's like, this is amazing, I feel great, let's cook something, you know, like, she's an amazing woman, and, and I tell you something about Jesus' training, it's very personal, it means he wants to know you, but not just you, he wants to know your family, and your friends, why? Because those influences matter to you, and Jesus wants to know what matters to you. See, when we talk about training people in discipleship, we don't talk about pulling them out of their circumstances and sending them to a bunch of different things. What we're saying is we want to be in relationship with you like Jesus is in a relationship with us. And we want to come right into your life. We want to know your parents. We want to know your grandparents. We want to know your brothers and sisters. Why? So we can make them do something? No. Because if they matter to you, then they matter to us. And Jesus didn't heal her so that she would serve him. She healed, he healed her because he loved her, because Peter loved her. He says, look, if you're going to follow me, you're going to get all the benefits of what it looks like to follow me. Your parents are having issues. Come on, let me help. His training is first personal, but secondly, it's purposeful. If you go on in chapter 8, it says this now, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. There's another moment there in a boat, and a storm rises up on the sea. And being swamped by the waves, but Jesus was asleep. And they went and they woke him up and they sang, save us, Lord, we're perishing. And Jesus says to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose up, and this is one of those ridiculous Jesus moments ever. And then he rebuked the winds and and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now just think about that for a moment. You're an experienced fisherman. See, these people would be trained their whole life in their particular trade, and they were experienced fishermen, and they're in a boat. And he says, let's get into the boat, let's go across, and and we're still in this training process. And then suddenly he takes a nap, and I think Jesus was actually awake. I just think he was closing his eyes. And he's listening to them all freak out, like, what's going on? What about all these waves? And, And Jesus is like, you guys are fishermen. What are you freaking out about? And he gets up, he's like, why are you afraid? I'm in the boat with you. Where's your faith? And they're like, I don't know. It got left with my lunch over there. Like when I, when I saw these waves, I was like, no, no, just, just relax. And he stands up and he says, quit it. Wind, waves. And there's a great calm. See, what Jesus wants to show these men is this. I can control what you can't. I can control things that come your way, but I'm in control of that. And I want you to see that. His training is purposeful so that we would see what. He actually has control of. And and here's the the key. Disciple making, training in disciple making, isn't about giving you the skills to change people's lives. It's about giving you the skills to introduce people to Jesus Christ who can change lives. Amen? Disciple making is about getting people to know him because he can control what we can. He's empowered. He is changing lives. And here's the key, though. 
Jesus doesn't do it alone. Every one of these moments is about preparing these men to be able to go do it on their own. Jesus is about building a team of people that would go out and spread the message of the gospel. See, teams are what are most important in building relationships with Jesus and changing people's lives. Steve Jobs says this, great things in business are never done by one person. They are done by a team of people. The secret to success is good leadership, and good leadership is all about making lives, the lives of your team members or workers better. Tony Dungy. I know Tony Dungy is, is a believer, and he's saying this. If you want to know the secret of success, it's in teams. And it's in teams where the leader cares and loves and is training those people to be better, to live better than they're already living. People know this in industry. People know this in business. And Jesus knew this when he was looking at his disciples. He says, I'm going to train you that you would carry my word forward. And here at Grace Bible Church, we are all about training you. We are all about helping you to grow in your relationship with Jesus so that you might share your faith with others. How do I do that, Kevin? What does that training look like? I'll tell you this. It's in being a leader. Some of you this semester, you need to think about whether or not you would want to step into leadership for next year. And we have coach groups where we train our leaders in how to share their faith, how to lead a Bible study, how to grow. We train people, but not just in our, in our, as a small group leader. You can lead on our in our many of our other areas, but this is a key one. We train in discipleship and disciple-making. If you jump into one of our small groups, that small group leader will literally help you and train you in how to be a disciple-maker. Our prime conference that's coming up in February is all about that. We have content for sale. We have a conference you can attend. And we have small groups you can, because it's a team sport, and I'll tell you what, If Texas A&M campus is going to be reached with the gospel, we need more people doing the great work that Jesus is doing in the world. Amen? He trains them, and then he does a second piece, or third piece. He sends them. He trains these men, and thirdly, he sends them out. He sends them to go and do the things that he did. And oftentimes he continued to do this training on boats. In Matthew chapter 14, we see this another, another moment of his developing of these men. He says, immediately they got the disciples into a boat and before they got to the other, um, before him to get to the other side. So he had been preaching and teaching and he says, okay guys, you get in a boat and you start heading to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Jesus had been preaching and teaching and healing and doing all of these miracles. And, and he says, okay, guys, you go ahead across. I'm going to get some alone time here. And as he's there praying, verse 24, but the boat by this time was a long way from land and beaten by waves, for the wind was against them. Verse 22, or verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But the disciples saw him walking on the sea and they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. Why did they say that? Because people don't walk on water, right? 
They are freaked out, just like you as you read that, you're like, okay, this just seems weird. Yeah, to them too. They were not like, oh, trust and obey, it must be Jesus. They're like, what is going on? Like, he calmed the storm a little while ago. I didn't expect him to walk on water. This is absolutely insane. They are freaked out. It's a ghost. There is some sort of demon coming across. Like, they're freaked out. What is this? I don't know, some sort of exorcist? Like, I don't get it. What is this? But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered, Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water. He said, come on. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now, he falls into the water here in a little bit, right? I've stopped there. But I just want you to think about this for a moment. What is Jesus doing in this moment with Peter and the disciples? He's showing them something. He showed them previously, I can control what you can't. You've got to come and be a part of what I'm doing. But this moment is different. He is walking on water and Peter, like that's Peter. And he jumps up and he says, hey, if there's an invite, if there's training, then I want to be part of what you're doing. And what you're doing is you're skiing without a boat. I want to be a part of that. He says, Jesus, if that's you, let me play. And he goes, come on, buddy. And then, G- and then Peter literally does what, what no human should do. He walked on water. How did that happen? I don't know. He's not Chris Angel. This isn't a magic show. Like, I don't know how this happened. But Jesus is telling him something and showing all of us something. When you come on mission with me, I'm going to send you out to do the things that I'm doing. When you come and are a part of what I'm doing in the world, you don't just get to watch me. You get to participate in what I am doing. You know when church gets exciting? When we stop sitting and we start moving. You know when life gets exciting? When you see lives changed by the power of the gospel. When you see people that have been walking in a lot of pain start walking in new freedom that they can find in Christ. You know when life gets exciting? When we move from the bench and we get into the game. I love the 12th man here at Texas A&M. This is your participation moment. I love the 12th man at Texas A&M. Yes. Why? Because I like a lot of people on the bench. Like I want more than 12. But I want all of you to think that you're 12 on the bench. No. Why do I love the 12th man? Because you can play a part by yelling loudly, by, by being big, by changing plays. You can literally yell loud enough. You can scream loud enough to affect the, what's going on in the game, to inspire people. You actually have a part. But I love Jesus Christ even more than the 12th man. Take a deep breath. Why? Because you don't have to stand on the sidelines. You can get into the game. And you can see lives change. And you can speak the word of God. And you might see lives change from darkness to life. Eternal destinies change. They will meet the creator of the universe. And we can play a part. So he sends them. He says, go and do what I'm doing. And fourthly, he multiplies. Jesus isn't about doing this by himself. He's about sending people to make more on this mission. 
Bill Gates said this, and I thought this was fascinating. As we look ahead to the next century, leaders will be those who empower others. Years ago, Jesus already said that. 2,000 years ago, Jesus already had this mission in play. Bill, that is a great insight. Gee, if you just read your Bible, you would see that Jesus already had this plan. He says this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So go. Don't stay here. Don't sit around with me. Don't just sit here. We're not going to play kumbaya. Like You go and you make disciples. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You teach them to observe everything I commanded you, and I will be with you. But this mission is yours. Let me tell you what. You know when when your life is going to change for the best? You know when your life is going to be, when you're going to find the fulfillment you long for? It's not when you graduate college. It's not when you find the spouse. It's not when you have kids. It's not when you have the career, find the career of your dreams. Kevin, how could you say such things? I'm here at A&M to do all of those things. I'm here to get a degree, to get engaged, ring before spring. This is my spring, right? I'm here to have babies in about five or six years, right, after I get married. And once I find the career of my dreams, then everything will make sense to me. I've talked to too many people in their 30s and 40s and 50s who get the lineup, the, the four things that matter most. And then they get a divorce, they leave their spouse, they abandon their kids. Why? Because that didn't do it. Are those things good? Yeah, they're awesome. I married an amazing woman. Hillary is a phenomenal. She's better than all you ladies. I'm sorry, you are great, but she's better. I've got four amazing children. I love them to death. I have a job I love. I get to tell people about Jesus. But let me tell you when, when life really makes sense. This past semester, my eight-year-old daughter came to faith in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, I was of the opinion that you need to make that decision later in life. And so I made her jump through hoops. I was like, baby, what is the gospel? And she says, well, I believe that Jesus died in my place for my sins. I'm like, cry. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> well, sweetie, why do you want to be baptized? Well, I want to tell everyone that I have a relationship with Jesus. All right. Well, you know that, that you're going to have to stand in front of church and tell everyone that. She's like, I know. And you're going to have to read a verse in front of everyone. She's like, I know. And so I said, baby, you got to prepare. This is your verse. you got to do it. She's like, okay. And we get there to get baptized last semester. She stands up, and I'm like, baby, why do you want to be, why do you be baptized? Because I want to be the pastor that forces his kids to do something. So why do you want to be baptized? She goes, I believe in Jesus. He died for my sins, and I want people to know about him. She goes, I have a verse to read. She didn't read it. She recited it. Like, you're too smart, baby. (laughs) Much smarter than me. And I watched her change life. And I was like, that's what this little thing is about. One of our fellows last semester, I'm going to share her story. I'm so sorry, Allie. But this story, like, just rocked me. There's two girls that were exchange students that came from Mexico. 
And our fellow had been literally praying for some people from Mexico that she could share her faith with. And God sent them because God does that stuff. And after building relationships all semester, right before they got on the plane, Allie Froster led these two girls to Christ. I was like, Allie, you waited a long time. Like, they were about to get on the plane. She's like, I know, but come on. I was like, that's it. She sent them off and helped them to, to think about how to walk in their new life when they left. You know what this whole thing is about? The lights, the show, the band, that more people would know Jesus. And in order to do that, you have to take this message and mission for yourself and move it forward. That we would be people that multiply our lives, that we would be people that pour our lives to make more disciples. That's it. We want to train you, we want to send you, and we want to see you change people's lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you've never heard the gospel, it's this, that we are sinners separated from God. There's nothing we can do to bridge that gap. There's, There's something wrong in the world, and there's nothing we can do to fix it. No amount of financial planning and no amount of good works will ever fix the brokenness between us and God and the brokenness we see in the world. Jesus lived a perfect life, died in our place for our sins to forgive us so that we can have a relationship with God. And he's in the process of restoring everything into back to how it should be. And he wants to know you. And he wants you to be a part of his mission. This is your opportunity this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you that, Jesus, you came from heaven to earth. You left the comforts of heaven and you came into earth that people might know you and have a relationship with you. So, Lord, I pray that we would be people that if we don't know you, Jesus, today would be the day that we say, I want to know the creator of the universe. I want to know you, Jesus. People have been talking about him. Now I want to know him. If that's you this morning, there's a simple prayer you can pray, and it's this. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying for my sins. For the rest of us, Lord, I know many of us have been in Christian circles, but we have not gotten to the game of disciple-making. I pray that this morning we could take that first step by getting into a small group, by getting into discipleship, relationships through that small group, that we could be people that take our next step so that more people might know Jesus. Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for these people. I pray that we would be inspired and equipped to reach more people for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Our table hosts are going to transition out to our table groups. If this is your first time here, we we have a sermon and we have table discussions afterward. We'd love for you to be a part of that. The table hosts are going to head their way out. For the rest of us, could we please stand and uh, finish in one more worship song?